hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Do The Work Podcast. My name is Sabrina Zohar, and I am going to be your host for today. Guys, I am so excited to have Cami Scott here. She is a content creator. She is an LGBTQ advocate. She just got married to her beautiful wife, Taryn, and I am just so, so, so excited to have her here to talk about the LGBTQ community shed some light on so many questions that you guys have asked, and also just to talk about dating, anxiety, and how she's been able to manage her anxiety with her very ever-growing career, and just learn a little bit more from her. So I'm so, so, so excited to have you guys on, and let's get to it. I'm so excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited for this. I mean, I'm just excited to hang out with you, but also excited to talk to the people, answer some gay cues, you know. (laughs) For everybody who doesn't know, which is my favorite part is how many people is like, you know, so if anybody knows, like people are like, what are you going to talk about the lesbian community? And I was like, well, I'm not part of it. So I feel like kind of left out. And I said, well, you know, Cammy's, I I was like, I was like, you know, Cammy's going to be on and people freaked out. They're like, oh my God, Aww. I love her. So for anyone who's not familiar with you, can you give us yeah. just a little bit of a history of like who you are? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm Cammy Scott. I'm a lesbian woman. I used to specifically use gay and queer, but I've tried to take back lesbian. Um, and yeah, I've been doing creating content for, I don't know how many years it's been since like 20 20- 15 if we want to go back to tumblr days maybe like 2009 if we really want to deep cut and yeah i've kind of just been sharing my story sharing things that i like when i was feeling kind of alone and didn't see myself represented so i was just looking to find a community of people that i could relate to and then in turn people started to relate to me and it's just been really cool to have this little community online I can, and I can relate to that because that's what started me. I was like, does anybody feel anxiety? I'm like, am I the Mm -hmm. only person that's suffering? And it's like, no, because misery loves company. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's true. But what did you see? So actually, that's a really, I'm glad you brought that up. Like what, what was missing that you didn't feel was part of the community that you so badly wanted to start that you cultivated? Because I think that's such a beautiful thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel so old for inter- in internet terms. I feel like it's like athletes. Once you're in your thirties, you're like dead to the world. <laughs> um, but when I was kind of struggling with my sexuality, when I was in middle school and into high school, this was so long ago. So I didn't have really any type of representation. There was a show South of Nowhere, and it was the first time I saw women liking other women who were somewhat feminine. And I just thought that that was impossible. I thought I had to cut my hair and only wear baggy clothing and like look very masculine presenting. And I was just hoping that I could find other women who liked skincare and makeup and wearing dresses so that I could preserve that part of me because it was scary to think, okay, to embrace this very real big part of who I am, I have to let go of other parts of me. So I quickly realized that that was not the case, but for so long, it felt like Ellen DeGeneres was the only lesbian (laughs) that I could look up to, which didn't work out well. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, yikes. I mean, I I think that's that I know. And it's, it's such a, it's such a stigma. And I was actually going to ask you, I think one of my questions that I had for you was like, what are some myths or some stigmas that you're like, God, I just really wanted to debunk that. And I think like you started even there with like, do I have to cut my hair and wear like Dickies 
in yeah. order to be seen as a lesbian. <laughs> but is there anything else that stands out that you were like, I okay. just can't stand this? This is kind of a stupid one, but I've been talking with some of my friends about it recently. So I just got married a couple months ago and I had like fake nails on for the wedding. I wanted my hands to look pretty. And it has started a debate of like, can lesbians who are not just solely bottoms wear fake nails? Yeah. And I want to debunk it that if you do it right mm. and get the right nails, not too pointy, no like claws. I actually, th this might be a little too much TMI, but I actually think that they hurt less because natural nails are really sharp mm. where if you have a fake nail on, it's thicker. And if it's like rounded and soft edges, there's no pain there. <laughs> I love this. Cause it's like, what did you learn on your wedding night? And you're like that actually, <laughs> that, like, that was your takeaway. <laughs> yeah. And well, I just, my friend also had fake nails on the time we were at a bar and we were like, we got to stop getting hate for having longer nails. Like we are givers, not just receivers. And you can still do it with nails on. <laughs> okay. So this might be like me being closed-minded, but I always wondered, I was like, how does this work? Is it like a top and a bottom situation, like in the gay community? Like, edu can you educate me? Because I feel like a fucking idiot. Please. You know what? This is fun. I haven't like had to <laughs> explain lesbian sex to anyone who's just, I mean, people who are like, I'm curious, I'm going to have sex with a woman. Mm -hmm. What do I do? But not to somebody who doesn't have sex with women. Completely um, layman's. You know what? Everyone's different, of course, just as I'm sure you have experienced with men. Yeah. But obviously, it's kind of like a little bit more straightforward, whatever. It's just penis and vagina. There's well, all. There's, there's depends <laughs> on the guy. You know, some dudes like mm -hmm. it the back door. But anyways, yeah, you have two holes that you can really choose from. Three. Uh, okay, anyways. You got to back. Let's get back to you. I <laughs> Honestly, I would love a lesson in your type of sex because it's more rare to me. <laughs> like, oh, God. Do learn to, you'll, you learn to fake it. Oh, no, that's sad. See, that's why you should be with women and so should everybody. <laughs> okay, um, can you convince me then more? What happens? Yeah, oh my God, it's great. There's so much communication. I just feel like women, you know each other more. You're similar. Your bodies are similar. You kind mm -hmm. of like like similar things. You're not afraid to be open and honest because you kind of both get it. It's so much more communication, so much more clear. Everyone's different. I think majority, most women are what you would call a switch. You're, you're both tops, you're both bottoms, you're both giving, receiving. Yeah. There are people who are um, pillow princesses who mm. are only going to receive. There are people, there are also lesbians who are touch me nots who don't want touched. Oh. So there's a little bit of everything, but I would say the majority from my personal experience and people I've talked to is most people are switch. Yeah. So. And when did you, so you knew this like your whole life, you were like, this is it. I love women. Or no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. Like yeah. mainly I started dating my first, I fell in love with a girl when I was very young. I was probably like, I'm so bad with time. I have no concept of time. I was maybe like 13, 14. I was very, very young. Yeah. And it started as like, okay, I'm not gay, but you're my exception. And I'm open to loving whoever. I don't know if that makes me bi or pan or what, but I love you and it doesn't matter what you are. Yeah. And, and that was kind of a cop out for me. Like, I feel like some people will kind of try to negate people being bi by being like, oh, that's just a stepping stone. For me, being bi was a stepping stone. It was, you're an exception. I don't know what I thought that meant. Um, but I knew I, I like, as soon as I kind of started having feelings for a girl, 
everything clicked. All of these experiences growing up, even down to like playing with my Barbies and my other friend who also ended up being a lesbian would Mm -hmm. like, she had a million dolls. She like very wealthy, a ton of Ken dolls. We never touched the Ken dolls. They were like (laughs) sat in the corner. But yeah, I think like it clicked for me pretty young. And then watching that show South of Nowhere, I was homesick from school one day, saw these two feminine women being in love and was like, that's it. I a hundred percent, I relate to these women and I know now it like gave me permission to finally lean into who I was. So yeah, I feel like I've just always kind of known. Wait, have you ever been with a man? I have been with a man once. Okay. I was like in it. So when I was date, kind of like dating that girl, we both were kind of trying to suppress it. Like mm-hmm. she for a very long time dated other men and other women. It was very toxic. Yeah. Which <laughs> we're going to get to. Yeah. But yeah. But um, yeah, I was with one guy. I was really drunk and I really don't remember it, which is Ooh. kind of shitty. But, but honestly, probably for the best too. Exactly. I think so too. Cause I was very aware that I like, didn't want that already. So yeah. I sometimes try to put myself in that situation. Cause like my dad owned a gay club for most of my entire life. Like, really? yeah, New York. He had, that's amazing. Yeah. He had porn theaters for like years when I, before I was born and then they, when they moved to Florida and had me, he had a gay club. And so I would, uh, to me, it was so normalized Yeah, going to the club and seeing the girls. And it was like the, it was drag queen shows. And it was, I mean, it was what a community. So fun so fucking fun and it was so freeing and that's why like such a sexually open home and you know it it turned me into what I am but I always thought about like what that must feel like to have to wear that mask of being like wait but this doesn't feel right so that to think of right now let's say I equate this to if being with a woman was the norm versus now I'd want to be with a man how that must feel like did you were you supported when you came out or was it something that you suppressed because you weren't able to talk about it with your loved ones You know, I always say I was my own worst enemy and I was the hardest person to come out to because all of the people around me, my family, my friends, generally, it was so easy. I didn't have any issues. My family wasn't particularly religious or anything. My mom's just kind of like very spiritual, but not any set in stone. Um, Yeah, I had the most incredible support system, but I took so long to share it with them because I, I think until you're comfortable with who you are, sharing anything is so scary because you are seeking that validation where when you get to a point where you're so happy with who you are, you're less scared. Yeah, you don't want to ruin relationships that you care about, but you are so confident and happy with who you are that you're like, take it or leave it. And if you leave it, you're a loss. But that's not how I felt when I was younger. I was just like, no, it's going to be my loss. You're going to hate me because I hate me yeah. and it's going to be awful. But Yeah. It was only hard to come out to myself. I'm the only person that got in my own way. Which I'm curious. I'd love to actually touch more about that of like, did you, so first off for our audience, sorry, my hair is a mess. Um, Do you identify more anxious, avoidant? I know I've seen some of your content of your anxiety, like having anxiety. I'd love to know kind of where you fell on that. And then perhaps any, anything that you, any skills or coping mechanisms, or what did you use to cultivate that confidence within yourself to get out of your own way? Because I think we have had a lot of people that have reached out that are suffering or dealing or not sure how to do that. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I have, in hindsight, suffered with anxiety most of my life and didn't really know what it was until I was older. I think 
even in the recent few years, I've really started to understand my own mental health better and how to cope with it because it, I didn't realize how much it was getting in the way and affecting me in my relationships, in my work and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I've had pretty bad anxiety <laughs> forever and I was just scared. I was so scared about what everyone thought. I think it was easier to put my anxiety on that. Like having a tangible thing when you're suffering from any kind of mental health, it's, it's nice to have something you can throw it on instead of just dealing with it as your mental disorder. It's so stressful to not know the cause of it. Um, and I think I would kind of latch on to relationships sometimes to do that and seek that comfort because dating a woman as well, they kind of become your best friend. And it was so much easier for me to have that one person I could put everything into. I could open up about everything I could trust and be closed off to everybody else. And that's kind of how I coped with my anxiety in general for a really long time until I finally recognized what it was and worked on myself for myself and by myself. And you can do that in a relationship. I think people get confused of like, you need to take time to figure out who you are and all of that. And sure, yeah, if you can't do that work on your own, but you're always going to be changing and evolving and growing. And if you can't do that with people around you as well, you're going to always have problems, whether it be your partner, your friends or your family. So I think me sorting that out in myself and then being able to share that and articulate that with the people around me who I care about so that it didn't affect those relationships was when I started to get my power back and handling my anxiety and not letting it creep into every little corner of my life. hundred percent. I think so many people, there is that common misconception of like, I need to be alone to heal. And I'll get that all yeah. the time. Like oh, you fuck dating. I'm done. I don't want to do it. And it's like, I hate to break it to everybody. You will get triggered your entire life because you're human. Yeah. And like, even now I am, you're married. I am in the healthiest relationship I've ever been. And I get triggered constantly mm -hmm. of just little things where somebody will, you know, your partner says something and you're like, the fuck did that mean? And yeah. it's like, of course, I'm instantly just being like, Rrr. and so I can imagine two women having yeah. hormones. Yeah, oh my God, totally. And which, huh, but I think it's such a great message for people to also hear, like, if you have a willing participant and a partner that can support you through it and just be secure by your side, even if they, like, I wanted to ask you too where Taryn falls, but like, even if your partner maybe has more avoidance or is more anxious yeah. as well, but if both of you are willing to put the, like, for me, my partner, we call him tech guy, he is very, um, very avoidant by nature. Yeah. Like that's just how he grew up and how he was. Yeah. And so he's done a lot of work on himself. He's done years of therapy and he's super aware and he's super communicative. And so am I, it's like, but we trigger each other still. Of course. Natural. We're fucking humans. Mm -hmm. But where does T lie? And like, how were you guys able to, like when you met her, were you feeling that anxiety? Were you feeling more secure? And like, what did that look like? I think navigating it through in a new relationship. Cause I think that can scare a lot of people too. Totally. And and every relationship is different. That's why I think it is powerful to kind of work on those with each other. Um, Taryn is a very anxious person in really different ways than I am as well. Like I'm more avoidant. She's more attachment style. Like I really feel like we're almost opposite in that sense. Um, but it's interesting because we have opposite anxieties. We can get each other and be supportive and help each other. But then when the other one needs to kind of have their shit together to support, they're good too. So I think she's always been somebody who is so eager to work on herself, which is incredible and really helpful in a partner to know like 
you want to better yourself for yourself and for me in our relationship. So it's been like, we're both quite anxious, which I think makes that really difficult sometimes, but because we're both really aware and willing to work, it makes it easier. Um, we both shut down so quickly. We've had to, we've done therapy together before getting married. Like we kind of clash when we fight. It is so bad. We're so bad at fighting. We both hate fighting so much, but like if I'm sharing, Hey, I try to speak up for myself more because in a lot of relationships, I would kind of tell myself that I was the problem and that it was stuff I had to get over. And then I kind of overcompensated and was like oversharing of like, that bothers me, that bothers me and kind of being a little insane. But if I share something that is hurting my feelings that she does or says or whatever, she gets really defensive that it's Mm. like criticizing her. And then I feel unheard. Like that's kind of been our spiral that we try to get off. Yeah. Um, But I think just our anxiety is just kind of clash in that moment where I'm like, I'm not being heard. And she's like, I'm getting criticized. Um, so that's a mess, but <laughs> you're like, but, but that's my newlywed <laughs> and we just got married, um, but like, to marriage. but it's also, it's such a reality. It's true. It's yeah. like, you know, and I think something that people, a lot of people don't realize too, is being in a really, it doesn't matter, gay, straight, but I don't give a fuck. You're a human mm-hmm. dating another human. It doesn't really fucking matter. At yeah. the end of the day though, communication in a relationship is literally everything. And I hear so often they're like, I can't tell somebody that because they're going to run away. And I'm like, well, then what's going to happen when you guys are actually dealing with issues? Is that person yeah, always just stuff? Hey, what are they just going to bolt? They're yeah. just going to dead. I'm out. Yeah. It's like, you don't just like hide certain parts of you hoping that it's never going to come out. Like, right. The only time that I think it's acceptable is like, you don't have to share traumas and you know what I mean? It's like, you don't have to share parts of yourself that are just yours to own. And like, I've had to learn, especially being in a very like secure relationship, the difference between my gut and my anxiety. Like what is, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, what is actually bothering you where you're like, Hey, I didn't like that comment versus what's the narrative I'm creating. And what's the situation I've just made. It's so hard to differentiate that sometimes though. Cause you're like, I should have listened to my intuition. It's like, that's not your intuition. That is like all your past trauma and your fears. But this person is not all of those other people. And you're better now too. Oh my God. Yeah. How have you coped with that? Of like, how do you pick that this is intuition and this is me being a little little out there right now yeah a little fucking nuts off my head. I'm like it's in my period no it's like it's been two weeks you're like oh shit um, god damn it yeah I'm like I can't use that excuse so what I've literally been able like really been able to identify because I'm so painfully self-aware it's actually to a fault where I'm like mm-hmm. I know when I get like upset or annoyed or something and I'm like I know exactly where it stems from I'm like that, yeah. that's because when I was a kid this used to happen versus like I it's kind of the same processing of the, like when, when an action happens or like when tech guy says something, let's say, and I want to shut down, you know, I'll like kind of retreat inwards and then I'll stop myself. And I start to do like my little thing where I'm like, okay, cool. What does this feel like in my body? Am I feeling it in my body or am I feeling Mm -hmm. it just in my thoughts? Because like my gut and intuition is very calm. I don't really feel, I don't feel that in my body and my brain doesn't start to race. When I know it's my anxiety is because there's the narrative playing. I knew he didn't like me. I knew that this person didn't want me. Oh, here we go again. Another person that's going to leave me up. Oh, see, he knew who I, Yeah. and so I'm spirals. able, you can differentiate between what's the narrative that's playing behind this versus is there an actual threat or is that a stuffed animal that my nervous system is per- perceiving to be a tiger? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. 
and being able to communicate that through a relationship like has been huge. But one thing I have been told, because I do have quite a few LGBTQ community um, clients that come to me. And I feel like the only difference I have, like the only question I really have when you're dating as a lesbian is like the texting thing, you know, because it's like in the conventional straight to, you know, straight male and female, it's like, oh, let the guy text you and, mm. you know, don't come off. So it's like that I think would be the only differentiation point but from what i've been told which i'd like your thoughts on that from what i've been told though the lesbian and the gay community so i would just say the whole entire thing has been very toxic and mm. i was curious your experiences in that because i think we you know there's such a difference between the gay community that's very like immediate i don't want to settle i'm just going to go from guy to guy to guy and just get laid versus the female and the lesbians where it's like we're going to get married and buy a cat after two dates <laughs> so i was curious kind of to see your thoughts on really just like that toxic culture and what you've yeah. seen. Yeah. I think that those stereotypes can be incredibly real. Like I've seen, I've seen it a million times. It happens often, obviously not everyone falls into that, but I just think women are typically think in a similar way. Like we romanticize things. We mm -hmm. are kind of like wanting to find that perfect love and jumping into it. And as, as soon as we find that kind of latching onto that, I think a lot of women will kind of create the person they want and yeah. fill in the gaps. Yeah. And I think that can be really detrimental in a relationship. It's like, they're perfect. They're, they're doing all of these amazing things. And it's like, no, they did three things that you liked and you ignored all these other things, or you made those seem so much bigger. And they, you, they filled in this character in your head instead of actually getting to know this person, which is why I think a lot of times like women will move so quickly jump into that, move in, all that. And then it'll be this massive breakup because if you've ever had like a friend breakup, mm -hmm. that could be 10 times harder than a relationship. Now you put those together yeah. because I just think women's bonds together are really important and valuable and beautiful. But when you add in a romantic level to that, it is just can be chaos. It can yeah. be mean. We can be kind of harsh with our words. We use our words a lot of times as our weapons. Um, and I think that's where the toxic traits kind of lie in a female relationship. I was gonna say, did you experience that a lot? Or were you lucky to like have pretty secure partners? And obviously with you and T, like, did you guys, what, what did that courtship look like? And then, yeah, who texts first? How does this work? Teach me that because I feel like I'll be a better coach if I know that. I, so as soon as you started talking about the texting, I was like, what have, how have I handled this in dating and anything? Taryn and I were friends for a really long time. So we didn't mm. have that yeah. same form of courtship, but I have always been like, I don't like games. If you want to text one, text them. If you want to say something, say it. And maybe that's because I've always been flirting and dating women. So it was more acceptable and I didn't have to kind of like play these games. I don't know. Maybe you can't do that when you're talking to a guy, but in my head, I'm like, I don't like the games be yourself. And if yourself isn't right, then screw them. But then I've also yeah. seen how to lose a guy in 10 days. And that one girl who's so great is so crazy and messing up and she needs to play it cool. So I don't know. I've never thought about who texts first? Am I texting too much? I'm also the type of person who will text you 20 times in a row and then lose my phone for a day and not text you back and then forget for three months and be like, hi, and not mean anything. It's not personal. So I'm not the right person to ask about the texting. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm very sorry. <laughs> 
no, and it's fine. It's fine. I'll find another lesbian to ask. It's okay. Yeah, somebody yeah, can, yeah. somebody can write in that's listening and let me know. Um, I mean, it's been, it's been a point of contention for me. It doesn't matter the community you're in, but in general with texting, I find, and I think because you're two women coming together, it's probably exacerbated, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're two anxious people that are coming together. And we see, it's like, yes, there are plenty of avoidant women. Like you even said, I've had some avoidant issues and, and tendencies yeah. and things. And it's like innately anxiety, anxious attachment also is avoidant because they're avoiding the abandonment wound. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it's been such a, a thing now. It's like either there's the people that totally get what I'm saying of like, stop creating this romanticized version of a relationship via digital. Like yeah. there is no tone. You have no no clue what this person's trying to say. You are deducing what they're trying to say and you are creating this version. Then you meet them and no wonder they can get away with murder. Cause like you said, they exhibit, you hold, you take 5% of who you know, and you create 95% of who you want them to be. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I've always been very big on like, can you guys please like limit, spend more time together, get to know each other in person, do things like go out on a, you know, my boyfriend's almost killed me now twice on a hike. And it's like, and what did that do? It brought us closer together. It did. Like now I know he's trying to murder me. I would exactly. never know that via text. I would, I would never have known that this man was brought me to the desert for six hours and <laughs> put me on a hike and that we almost, it's fine though. It's okay. And that rocks were coming. It's okay. You know, we live and we learn, but I find like I've, I've, I've seen that a lot, especially that projection component. And like yeah. I had one of my first clients that was a lesbian, she was talking and what a lovely human, you know, clearly had her own shit going on. And she was like, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm so in love with this girl. And I was like, Tell me about her. Yeah, tell tell me more about this girl. And it was, I'm sitting there and I was like, I'm sorry, did you use the word love to describe this woman? Because I'm like, everything sounds like a fucking nightmare and a liability. Like, couldn't, super, like super inconsistent, really avoidant, didn't want to be sexual, was terrified of commitment, didn't want to open up. And I was like, oh, so- the chase. She's in love with the chase. Right. And I was like, so what are you in love with exactly? Her emotional unavailability that now reinstates your core belief that you're not good enough or worthy. So you have to earn yeah. somebody's love. And then when you don't, it reaffirms that core belief. Yeah. It's just like, I, I actually need you to tell every lesbian that you ever work with yes. to put the phone down because I'm not, I have just realized I'm 32, dated a bit married now and I've never thought about how detrimental the overtexting is mm-hmm. and in every even situationship I've had it's like lots and lots and lots of texting don't put the phone down and texting is like this very intimate experience you're just one-on-one you're they're kind of there in your back pocket all day long mm-hmm. and it is just exacerbating that situation of the romanticizing and turning this person into somebody that they're not and even hyper-focusing on like the big red flags that should make you run are like, oh, but they're, but they like me. They yeah, don't want to admit, but they like me. It's like, they're texting you all day. They're not hanging out with you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like, and it's so funny because I had in here tips for lesbians. So there we have one put just yeah, anybody. And like, I have a lot of, I have a lot of people I've worked with now that are like, man, I, I've been taking your advice. And like, you're right. And it's like, okay, the reason I say to put your fucking phone down, isn't none of the advice I even talk about has anything to do with a listening, a response from somebody else. It's about how do you manage your own anxiety? Yeah. How can you make sure that you are showing up the best version of yourself consistently building mm-hmm. a life outside of dating and creating and cultivating a community and group and people and friends and a life so that when somebody comes into your life, it's an addition to not instead of. And I find the texting stuff so often creates just this 
entire narrative. And then the danger of what happens is when you, what's going to happen? You're texting a lot. What else are you going to talk about? So of course you start to talk about the future and what, you know, how cute, oh my God, wait, you like to travel here. I like to travel here. Well, wait, what kind of life do you want? And it's like, you built up this entire relationship and then I'll see it where all the people, you know, I went on one date and then they don't want to see me after what happened. It's like, they met you. That's what happened. You became real to them. Yeah. They had to get the image out of their head and actually face the reality and you guys don't match up. No. probably great, but you're not right for them. (laughs) This has like nothing to ever do with who you are as a person, Mm -hmm. but more to do. And like, I've actually learned, and and it's true because like I've known you for what, a couple of years now since I moved to LA. And it's true. It's like, you're not great at texting in the conventional sense, but I never take it personally. I'm not like, oh, she hates me. That's why she's ignoring me. It's like- Horrible at it. And it's like, you know what? You're just, I assume I'm like, some people are just, that's not a priority to them. That's not how they connect to people. And it's like, I've done that. I'll look back and I'm like, I didn't answer this person. Mm -hmm. I do it all, all the time. All the time. But I just, I do really think that women text more often when women are better at communicating. So then having another woman on the other side of that, where you're not like, well, I don't want to text this guy too much. He didn't text me for X amount of time. You're getting pinged right back. So it's just nonstop communication. So you may have had one date, which is probably a lot longer than a typical one first date. And then you've texted every second since that dating. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, we're, we're a little kooky, I'm realizing, <laughs> from this conversation. You're like, bitches be crazy. Um, no, <laughs> I've always known we women are a different beast, and I totally understand that. And I, and it's like, you know, but then I talk to some of the gays, and it's what I hear is like, none of them want to commit. You know, they're all, and it's like, well, think about it. Let's be realistic here. You put two women together, of course they're going to expedite things. You put two guys together, of course they're going to be like, yeah, no, I'm good. I just want to, like, enjoy this. Not to say that's what everybody does, but it's but it not happens. Sh- frequent not shocking yeah I always feel really sad for the gay men who want to commit because I think they have such a hard time finding other men who want that as well I think that can be really difficult it not turning into an open relationship or just like getting a little too wild every now and then and I think that would be incredibly frustrating yeah I don't personally I mean it's like as a as a woman dating men or had who had, was dating men now I'm not but as somebody who has been in that community yeah I can only imagine exacerbated by your only dating men mm-hmm. and it's like that and you are one so I'm sure you're both coming at it with different emotions and feelings and you're kind of just like well how the fuck do I articulate this how do I communicate yeah. where like you said women are so much better mm-hmm. at communicating and I think what's super important for anybody listening out there boundaries setting boundaries or managing expectations, even like you just did like, Hey, you know what? I'm not great at texting. This isn't an indication that I'm I'm not into you or that I don't like you. I don't connect that way, but I'd love to see you and spend some time with you. Yeah. I, but I think the problem is a lot of times people don't know what they want. So they, how do you set boundaries and set those expectations when you don't check in with yourself? I think people don't do that until they're in their relationship And they're realizing, oh, I do like that. Oh, wait, I don't like that. Which is why I think you can really grow in a relationship. I've always grown my most post-relationships being like, wait a minute, let me check back in with myself. These are the things that I just allowed to happen. How did I let my boundaries go? And it's like, well, because you never set them because you didn't know what they were. You didn't actually know what you wanted. You kind of just went with the flow of the relationship, trying to keep it easy and light and smooth. And you have to check in with yourself. You have to know what do I 
really want from this person? What value are they adding to my life? What am I looking for? Instead of just, I like this person. Let's make it work. 100%. It's like, I don't give a fuck how you care feel about them. I care about how you feel with them. It's like, yeah. what do they evoke in you? Do they ask you questions? Do they make you feel seen, heard, and understood? Do you feel mm-hmm. safe talking to them? Do you feel like it's reciprocal? And I think- more off so often we're so focused on the yeah, like do they like me and what's the perception of me and da, da, da. and I take it even a step further it's like people don't know what they want and people also don't know truly what they need and they think they do and it's like sometimes I'll get this well I need a guy to text me every day otherwise and it's like no you don't need that you want that mm-hmm. let's if we're going to talk intrinsically about needs it's like no what what might be needed here is you doing that for yourself you being there to support yourself and you just showing up to satisfy those quote unquote needs that you have. And ex- instead of expecting external validation to quell your anxiety and to make you feel better, it's like, how about you find ways to self-soothe and to take care of yourself? So that way, when you're showing up with people, again, they're in addition to your life, not instead of. 100%. No one person is going to fill every need that you have. No. Not they even friends. It's Yeah. It's just insane to even imagine that. So it's like, look at that need. If it is texting every day, why do I feel like I have that need? What is that fulfilling? And can I get it in other ways? Maybe some, you might date someone who's perfect and they might be a bad texter. You're not going to date them. No, they're going to show you that they care for you in other ways. You're going to find ways around that, or you're going to realize that you don't need that constant validation. Maybe you were cheated on before and they never text you in the morning and you find out that is what's actually bothering you. It's like, you got to break down the actual thing that you think is your need and your why and go back, work backwards to figure out why you actually want that. Yeah. It's like, cause more often than not, like, even for me, it's like, I, before I met my boyfriend now, I was dating the guy that was like on paper, everything texting you good morning and making the plans and FaceTiming and being super commute, met all my friends, met my family. Like probably in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, you love on me. Not in mm-hmm. a sense. It wasn't like, um, it wasn't so obvious. It wasn't all at once. Yeah. But it was like, as I think about it, I'm like, yeah, that's a lot for the first like two months. Yeah. And everything. And it was like, but then when push came to shove, when my dog passed away, that dude was nowhere to be seen. Like he did not even try to show up for me. I think he came over once after like 10 days of me being like in fucking hell on this earth. And so then when we broke up, when I, like I walked out when he told me, yo, I'm unsure about you. And I was like, I'm fucking done. I'm not doing this. And so then when I started, like, I met my boyfriend three days later and I was like, I'm not interested in any of this shit. I'm just going to go out and have fun. And we hooked up and I left and I was like, guns blazing. I don't give a shit. If I never hear from this guy, I don't really care. And as we started to date, it was kind of the same where it was like, he wasn't texting at all. Like he Mm -hmm. was not a texter. Maybe every three days I'd get a like, Hey, I hope you're having a great day. Going to put my phone down. Been staring at screens all day because he works in tech. Um, I'll, you know, super excited to see you this weekend. And then I'd be like, ah. And so then I had to ask myself, yeah, I was like, where the fuck is this guy? So (laughs) then I had to ask myself, okay, let me sit in the discomfort and start questioning where is this coming from? And I was like, oh, him texting me every day is, it's a false sense of intimacy because what it made me think was, oh, okay, well, that just means I'm not going to be abandoned. That means I'm being chosen. So instead I had to say, okay, cool. So I might not need that. I might just want it, but now, but it's true. This person's showing up for me in so many other ways. He's calling me instead of texting. He's planning dates very consistently. He is being super communicative, open, vulnerable, honest, all of those things. And that was that aha moment of like, you know, what you thought you needed, you didn't. I had to supply that for myself and learn how yeah. to be with just me and accept I'm building a life outside. And I found purpose outside of just a relationship. 
Yeah. And it's funny, the thing that you thought you wanted with the texting every day, so you didn't feel abandoned. You were, as soon as there was any form of conflict, it's easy to love bomb someone and tell them everything they want to hear over a text. That's so simple. But when there was actually an issue going on in your life where they had the opportunity to step up and be supportive and show you true love, they weren't there. It was the, it was, it was your fear did come true, even though they were doing the thing you thought you wanted. hundred percent. And that was that come to Jesus moment of like, oh shit. And so I'm sure I know that a lot of the stuff that we even talked about here, it's like gay, straight, lesbian, it doesn't matter. Like I said, Mm -hmm. it's two people coming together and I'll have that where girls will be like, you don't know, you're not in the lesbian community. I'm like, just because it's happening, just because that's the norm doesn't mean it's still secure or healthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think if anything, the only difference that you need to keep in mind is that the other person may be mirroring them and doing the exact same thing. So it's just, it, you might see something that in any other relationship would be a red flag, but when you're both having the red flag, (laughs) green baby. (laughs) I love that. You're like two red flags. Um, so what do you have any, I know you kind of started it on it, but what tips do you have for either maybe anybody that is contemplating coming out or that is already out is in the some, one spe- a woman specifically asked me any tips for lesbians. And I was like, I know just the, the person. So I'd love to know if you have any tips for lesbians or anybody that's coming out or unsure, just anything, whatever resonates with you. Yeah. I think with coming out, it is so powerful to have some form of a community. It doesn't have to be your family or your friends if you're scared to come out to them, but you don't have to do this alone. I think doing anything alone mental health, anything, it feels so much bigger and scarier and you put more weight on it. Find someone you can talk to, whether you join a group, an organization, a sports team, do something where you have people that you can share these with and talk to them through it because you're going to find so many commonalities. People have gone through so much and you'll see them living their happy, beautiful life and it's going to give you so much courage. So yeah, I just don't do these things alone. You don't have to, we need human connections and it's really powerful. I love that. Thank you for, thank you for encouraging that. Cause I, I'm a big proponent of like, find your people, mm-hmm. you know, put yourself and interject yourself into things that you love. Yeah. And then also being cognizant of like test and then invest. Don't dump everything onto people because you don't know who these people are. And so if you tell them something very dark or secretive, it could, but finding people that, that you feel scary. safe. Yeah. It's like, you don't yeah. fucking know who these people are, but finding <laughs> someone that you feel safe with, or even like a counselor, I'm sure there are communities and things of, of other people out there that are struggling as well. But for anybody, I guess, what are your tips then if you are in the lesbian community dating right now? And I know obviously you and T and had a different kind of courtship because you guys knew each other, but you have dated. So it's not like yeah, you t- tip one, marry your best friend. <laughs> there you go. Easy. Okay. Done. So thanks so much, Cammy. It was great to have you. <laughs> I know. I actually feel like I have no good dating advice. I feel like I was in like long-term relationship, long-term relationship, long-term relationship, but honestly, figure out who you are, figure out, be, be good with yourself, get right with yourself first. You are so wonderful all on your own. You, no one's going to complete you. No one's going to fix all of your problems. It's just going to continue from relationship to relationship. You're wonderful on your own, but work that shit out, go to therapy, understand your triggers. So you're not blaming them on every person that you date. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe apps. I've never done them. (laughs) You've never done the apps, never done the apps. I mean, I, for a very brief time, downloaded a few apps and like went on them, but then started dating someone. So of course, yeah, yeah, you're like, no dates from any of the apps. Anyone I've ever dated. I've like met through people I knew. 
I know. I don't know. That's the, I'm, I'm from the different generation. Like I moved to New York when I was not, I just turned 19 and mm -hmm. okay. Cupid had just come out. Oh my God. Beautiful. <laughs> well, let me date myself really quick. Um, and yeah, it was, I mean, fucking 14 years ago, which is crazy to me, but I was kind of crazy. bred into the digital age. So I saw Tinder come out. I saw mm -hmm. Bumble. I saw Hinge. I saw the league. I saw all of them. I mean, same. I was just in relationships. Yeah. So I was, and I, I remember when the apps first came out, man, was it a good time? Ooh, it was a good like, it those was the glory days those were god damn it were they the glory days because it was just a bunch of attractive people being like wait i now can just meet somebody here whereas mm -hmm. it was and it was a lot of people i mean i don't know how many relationships were coming out of it at that time but it was a lot of people just exploring but you're very lucky that you dodged that bullet you've saved yourself immense amount of i therapy. don't feel like i missed anything with that one so. you didn't and i don't know what it's like on the um women dating women's side but on oh, the I, women... I go on my friends all the time yeah I swipe for them how's not great <laughs> great like, where is everybody <laughs> what do you Who hear what do you hear more so like when you're from your friends that are dating in that community what are you hearing their struggles like what are you hearing that they're everyone you know, knows through? everyone you can't our community yeah. is small and i think that's really frustrating like i have so many friends who have dated friends exes bestie here there every which way and it's kind of a bummer like it it's so normal in our community I, feel like it should not it's sometimes really disrespectful there's like certain people who should never date but they yeah. do and we all kind of go well yeah. there's three people that they can date so they're gonna have to yeah there's so much overlap in the queer community it's you can't get away from it everyone knows everyone everyone's in each other's business yeah it's pretty right. rough so I also very this is I'm not to go on a tangent I have this theory that yeah. A lot of queer relationships are very immature at a later age because a lot of us came out later. So it's almost like we are starting our dating mm -hmm. career, career, mm -hmm. I don't know what to call it, yeah. our dating lives later in life. So you have kind of that, the normal things that you get out of your system in high school and college and the toxic traits we have in like our mid to late twenties. Yeah. So I just think we're a little, a little slower to do that. I mean, not slower, we move in, we, you all, <laughs> but to do it right. <laughs> You're like, we're slower, not in that way, but yeah. <laughs> and it's, and you know, I noticed who also a community that overlaps in, um, specifically like the doctors, because oh. it's kind of the same where it's like, they're in school for years. Yeah. And then it's like, by the time I know so many doctors in their mid forties that are such playboy fuck boys, like Peter Pan's that have not grown up at all. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's because you spent like 15 years in school. And then now time. With, and you had no time yet. Like I dated a doctor when I was in college and the, I mean, I saw the guy like once a month, like he was yeah. so busy with like a lawyer kind of same thing. But that's what I noticed in that community where it's like a bit of an arrested development where yeah. by the time they experience, and like, I don't know, for me too, I didn't really, I didn't get my shit together until my major heartbreak at 28. Yeah. This all has I been. Like you need a good heartbreak. It, it builds character. Oh boy, does it ever. They're so valuable. They suck. They, they suck. suck. It feels like death, but they're so valuable. It was, and it was with a narcissist and it was the rock bottom that I needed to really like fucking get my shit together and evolve. And I will, I'm so grateful for it. So grateful. And I'm sure you can look back on your worst relationships and you're like, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. Happily married. 100%. If it wasn't for all of those to teach me what I didn't want. Yeah. Completely. Without Cammy, what a fun conversation. I'm so this glad I so could fun. have you. Like, let's talk forever. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, well, let's talk forever. But at the same time, let's wrap it up. But <laughs>
I am so, so glad that you, everybody could meet you and find you. And I'm going to sh- link all in the show notes of where they can find you, but you let us know where can people find you on social? All over socials, just Cammie Scott, just my name. That's easy. And then my wife, Taryn, and I have a podcast as well, staying up with Cammie and Taryn. Cute. Okay. I'll link that. I'll link everything in the show notes. Just email Thanks, me all bud. those or text me those links. Perfect. And yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you again so much for joining. Thank you. I have a drive. I'm so excited to listen to other episodes of your podcast. I was yeah. listening earlier and it is just so fun. I'm so excited. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, you're going to be episode seven. Uh, no, not 17. I don't know what number it is going to be because I can't do math right now, but it's Some okay. You'll be out up. soon. It is. You're going to be our pride month because I really wanted to start it off with a bang. So let's thank go. You. Let's go. <laughs> thank you again so much for being on Thanks and everybody. Go fucking follow Cammy. Yeah, do it.